Praise God, everybody. Everybody's looking at me like you're expecting me to do something. Okay. <laughs> all right, I want, to thank, I want to give God praise for each of you. Thank you all for coming. And I want to give God honor and praise for our mama and papa in the spirit here, Apostle Steve and Apostle Melody. I mean, you all are in this house, so you know what awesome parents they are. You know how much they love with all their heart. And, you know, Julie and I were talking this morning. I said, you know, I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful for Christian International, for Bishop Hammond and all the CI team. Because when you know what you've been through and you know where you were, when you come and you get the real deal and you get the love and the freedom of Christ and you're able to move in all that God has called you to, there's a gratitude in your heart that only God could explain. And you all came into our lives at a time when we so needed it. We didn't even know who to trust in ministry anymore at that point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, God fulfilled his purpose in planting us with you. And, you know, I'm so grateful to this region. When we come here, we feel like we're coming home. When there's regional meetings, we're so excited to come. You're, you're driving up, and when you hit the mountain, something just starts to stir in you because you know that you know you're going where you're wanted, where you're celebrated, where you're loved, where you will be fed, and where you have loving parents, that I can tell them anything. The Pastor Melody knows. I've talked to her in the good, the bad, everything. And she's always got an on-time word, an encouraging word, a loving spirit, a kind heart. You don't want people who would just tell you you're good all the time. She'll tell me the real deal. I can trust her to do that. And that's what I love so much about this couple and this house and this ministry and, and, and this, this uh, network that we're in. I thank God for Bishop and for his obedience to God in doing what he's doing, that we can go. And, you know, I'm thinking how far this spread. We go all overseas. We go around the nation. And you see the same DNA of CI running through the love and all of that. So I give God praise for that. And I thank you all for coming this morning. I really do. And so I just want to uh, just say a prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this morning, God. I thank you, Father, for this weekend here. I thank you for the opportunity to be among family members, God, and just to, to be a blessing. And I open up my heart, my spirit, everything within me, God, for you to use me. I am emptied out, depleted, so that you can fill up and you can pour out, Father, to your people, your heart, God. I pray for each one here this morning, every family represented, Daddy, that you're going to minister to their hearts, God, in such a mighty and a powerful way, Father, that they would leave God with impartation. They would leave, Father, with their spirit filled and their expectation high and their meters are pumped up, Father, to accomplish all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I give God praise. And so we're asking the Lord. And just driving and even coming here. God, what exactly do you have for your people? What do you have for this ministry, for giving light? What do you need from them? And, you know, and, and the Lord began to speak about enlargement of, of territory and about um, the good fight that you fought and the resistance that you felt and that, that you've had. And he, he was sharing about the soldiers that he was calling you to be and the army of the Lord right here. And I believe that this is really your season of expansion. It is your season of elevation. Even as I was, you know, talking to the Lord, and he says, don't, I, what I really got from the Lord is double portion anointing and blessing that's being released over this house and over the, over the, the apostles of this house and therefore over all of you and and 
what he wants to do in this territory. And it's not an accident, you know, that, that, when I, when, that God has put you here first to begin with. That's not an accident. Because I'm driving around and I'm going, but God, well, I told Apostle Meldy yesterday, when he began to speak about, uh, about this um, body, and I'm, I said, well, how, much, how many people are in Elizabethville? Uh, you know, I, I never thought of that before. I just drive up and it's so beautiful. And so, of course, you go to Google. And I said, what's the population of Elizabethville? And I said, they made a mistake. It can't be. And I go, it was less than 1,500. And I said, that's got to be old statistics. So I searched a different way. It's the same number keeps coming up. 14-something or whatever, close to, and then some said approximately 1,500. I said, that cannot be possible. That only 1,500 would be in, in a whole town. Um, you know, because... The way God is, is speaking is, I, I would think I'm coming to the yeah, big metropolitan city and I'm Googling this little bit of people. And, and he's speaking to you guys as if we got a whole big, you know, a big, like a New York or something here. And so I said, well, you know, man doesn't see like God sees. So at first I kind of shake and I said, I can't, I, I, I can't say that that's what you want to do because they don't have what it takes. But God doesn't see the way we see. And God doesn't move the way we move. He is speaking to you from where you're going to be, not where you are. And so the Lord began to speak about he's called you to be his army here and to pull down the strongholds that has been over this land for generations and pull down the old methodologies and the mindsets and to increase his, his, his anointing in this territory. And God is talking about expansion. He's talking about elevation. And, and you know, he just began to share, I'm going to pour out my double portion anointing upon them. And it just felt as if uh, heads were being like capped off and pouring in and then putting back on. And so just the filling and infilling of what he wants to do. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about um, obtaining the double portion that God desires uh, you to have as a body and what he wants you to do in this territory. There's land to be taken. There's a businesses to be birthed and there are businesses in this house that has to be enlarged. There's so much that he's speaking. There are children to be raised up. There's a generation that the mindsets need to be shifted and God has anointed the apostles of this house and the people that he's called to this house to go and to do what he's called you to do out there and it, you know and I don't believe that it's just Elizabethville I felt it's surrounding it's pulling them in equipping them filling them up nurturing them there's a lot of broken people that promises have not been kept there's people that are saying I, I, I don't believe that God is going to do anything I'm just going to sing my songs I'm going to pay my dues and I'm just going to go on and I'm you know and like it was just like sacks on the back so laden down. But there were things done spiritually in the land years ago that is still wanting to carry weight in the land. And when I began to get, and we were driving home yesterday and beginning to pray over, you know, what was in the land and what God wanted to do with the land. The heaviness was so strong. Actually, we went back to the hotel and just began to pray and began to break. And this morning, we began until we felt a clearing. And as soon as we felt a clearing, it was like the, the cloud had lifted. The weight, the burden that we've been carrying for the two days since we drove in yesterday just began to lift. And the light begins to illuminate. And that's what God is going to do with you. His light is suddenly going to snap on and you're going to find yourself hearing and moving and doing things that you could not do before because this is your hour of visitation this is your due season this is your now time for the expansion of God for what you've been dreaming of what you've been believing for this is the hour where God is going to equip you to do that
Do you believe that this morning? Because I, he is really ready. I'm telling you, it was so ripe, wasn't it? We're like, I'm like, Julie, what God is saying doesn't match up with what I'm seeing. And so we began to share, and I'm going, I told you the same thing too. You know, and so it was like, okay, okay, that's confirmation, God. Because your eyes cannot see or your ears cannot hear what God has set for you. But the heart believes, the mind receives, and the power of God puts the go in you to get to where he's calling you to be. Amen? And so um, we're going to go from um, 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, it's quite a bit of scriptures in here. It's from verse 1 to 14. So just bear with me while I read them, but it's important for us to understand where we were, where we're going, and how we get there. And so Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. And now the sons of the prophets who were Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know, keep silent. And then Elisha said to him, then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? So he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water and it divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. God is going to strike some dry ground. Some, I'm telling you, every river that has been stopping you, every obstacle that has been in your way, God is striking it down today, and he's opening up dry, pleasant land for you to cross over. Even as he crossed the, the children of Israel over in, with the Red Sea and he parted it, seas are being parted for you today. Some of you have hit up some obstacles that you decided this is not for me and you're not crossing, but you're, you're crossing that Jordan. You're crossing today. You're going over. Anyway, let me get back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Where was I anyway? Okay. All right. Verse 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried out my father my father the chariot of Israel and its horsemen and so he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Then the double portion was poured out. 
Oh, isn't that awesome what God will do? You know, our text tells us about a young man, and his name is Elisha. But he was a hungry man for the things of God. Everything that God had, he wanted. How hungry are you? Sometimes it takes the hunger to break through the barriers. You know, she talked about the wall this morning. I said, she's on point. What is the wall that has been holding you back? God is here today. He's not just going to walk you through that wall. He's going to take you and tear that wall down. Remember there was a wall that they marched around seven times? Y'all remember that wall? And those people behind that wall, they trusted in their might. They trusted in their power to, with, to withhold the children from Israel from coming in. They talked about how deep they built it, the engineering feat they had. They counted on their own strength and their own intellectualism to hold back the people of God. Whatever discounted you and figured your God, you see, they figured that, 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 that Joshua's God. He, they, they, they figured they worshipped a, a, a fortress God. But Joshua's God was a sea God because he parted the sea. It was a land God because he provided land for them. And so they, they did not think that the God that Joshua served was also the God of the fortress that they were building up. And when the God of the fortress showed up, he didn't come and say, I'm going to hammer it down. He showed them how the foolish things of God is going to confound the wise. God is going to do the same for you because your God is an all-time God. He's an anything God. He's an all-obstacle God, and he'll tear everything down for you. That's who he is. And so here they are, and he want, you know, Elisha wanted the Lord, and he wanted the power of the Lord in his life, and he was willing to pay the price to get it. Sometimes we want it just to drop in our laps. You know, God, I'm sitting here, you know, any day now. You promised, any day now. You promised. You don't do it for your own children. You don't do it for, for your spouse. You don't do it for, you, you let, you don't enable people because anything that you do for someone that they can do for themselves is creating a cripple. And God will not cripple us. God will call us to come up, to rise up, to use that which he's put in us and begin to activate the God in us, the Christ in us, and take authority and claim the land. And so that's what God is calling you to do. And so what we learn here from him is a valuable uh, lesson for our lives as well. Like God did for Elisha, the mantle of ministry in these days rests upon you and I. You know, we talk about the Smith's Wiggle words and all of them. What was in them that's not in us? Think about it. We're a prophetic people. We're a powerful people. And we're walking around watching people. And we just, oh, I pray for you, brother. I pray for you, sister. Do you even pray? Don't tell me you're going to pray for me. Tell me what you're going to pray and come with expectation. Because I need to know what you're going to pray. And I want to hear the expectation in you. And then you can pray for me. If not, if I don't feel it, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but I'm telling you, thanks, but I got it. It's all right. Don't pray for me. That's, I mean, I get serious with the things of God because it is serious business, and we have to get serious. But God has already given you everything that you need. Now it's time for us to exercise it. See, in these days, they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to show up for a reason and a season and a purpose. Now he resides in us. For all the purposes that he's promised you. So we have to keep going and activating it. He's a gentleman, you know. He'll nudge you only so long. And then, you know, we don't want to be where we, where we did not know that the Holy Spirit left. 
We want to keep using him. And so, you know, the request was not for twice the power that rested on Elisha. The request was to be recognized as Elijah's replacement. You know, of course, he had already been selected by God. We know that. He'd already been selected by God for that position. 1 Kings 19, 16 says that. It was common for the firstborn child to receive a double portion of their father's estate. And, and this was mandated by law in Deuteronomy 21, 17. But you notice what Elisha said? He called Elijah, my father, my father. So he was a son, not just a son. He was the firstborn son of Elijah, the real son. That God was going to pour out this double portion mantle on. So he wasn't going after fame or I wanted to be seen or I want to be noticed. He was fulfilling purpose. Amen. Destiny was calling. And he was going to answer it no matter what it cost. Amen. Destiny is calling. Destiny is calling. We got to answer no matter the cost. And so Elisha was asking for the rights of the firstborn. He was asking that the same spirit that empowered the ministry of this great man of God be given to him as well. And what kind of spirit are you asking for? Are you willing to take any spirit that comes along? Are you asking the Lord God, you've given me discernment. You've given me a prophetic unction. You've given me the anointing. You've given me the ability to cast out demons. You've given me the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Every believer got that. How strong is your belief? Do you really believe you have it? Or you just believe, but you didn't receive. You know, we got it. And so, you know, what I believe he was asking for here was what, you know, God was releasing that to him. Here's what he was asking for. First, he was asking for a spirit of faith. Elijah learned to trust in the presence and the power of God in this world. He knew that God was in absolute control of every situation and he wanted to walk by faith. So we're saying that same faith that was in Elijah, I want it. I want that spirit of faith. And the second thing he said, I want a spirit of obedience. I want that because I can't walk by faith if I don't know to obey. And so Elijah, Elijah learned to be obedient instantly and without question, even when the commands of God made no sense at all. And Elijah is saying, I want that spirit of obedience that Elijah had. That he's willing to go the distance when it doesn't make any sense. And then he said, I want a spirit of courage. The third thing is his faith in God and his obedience to God combined to give him the courage to stand for God, even when other people ran away. He merely wanted to take over where Elijah was leaving off. He wanted to be the next prophet of Israel. So the work don't die. So the work don't die. These two aren't given the responsibility to fulfill all the work in this area. They're given the charge to equip you to fulfill the work in this area. And we have to want it. And so verse 10 speaks of the character of the request, the character of Elisha's request. Elisha is told that he has asked a hard thing. In other words, this is beyond the power that Elisha can grant. He can't grant such a request. Only God could raise up prophets and give them positions of power and of influence. And so on the surface, Elisha's request seems a little selfish, doesn't it? Oh, I want a double portion of what you got, man. You got it going on. Give me double what you got. I don't want just what you got. I want twice what you got. Now, it looks like prideful, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Oh, y'all ain't so holy, go sanctified that you don't come thinking with pride. You know? 
So, you know, there he is. And, you know, he wants a double portion. Listen, when you first come to Christ, well, not Christ. When I, I, I thought I was with Christ and didn't know what it really meant. I just thought it was saying my Hail Marys, my glory be, my our Father. Just go around that rosary morning and nighttime and just belong to all those, those Catholic clubs. You know, St. Maria Goretti Club, Libra the Sacred Heart. Every, just read my catechism. I was, listen, I didn't know what I didn't know. But I was teaching all the neighborhood kids what I knew. I would pull out my catechism, and I would call them any chance I can get. I would call them. And when they didn't want to come, I'd lay the pillows up on the bed, and I'd take my chalk, and I'd write on the wall. And then the pillows didn't obey. They'd get spanking. <laughs> well, I was a little girl, you know? And so, you know, I, just some crazy stuff you do. But I really, really just loved what I knew of him. And then when I really, because, you know, as Catholics, I don't know about the Catholics today, but when we were growing up, we didn't read the Bible. Whatever the priest told you, and when he went into all that Latin, I didn't know what he was saying, but all I know is I felt good, you know? And I'd leave, and I would feel so good. And, when I, and then God had to transition me, because then he took us to the Baptist church. And my husband and I, we were looking for a church, because he said, I can't go to the Catholic church, which I wasn't raised Catholic. No, he was raised Anglican. We are from Guyana. So, you know, in the West Indies, they got these... And, there's not much difference. So anyway, he said, we got to find a church. And so we found this church around the corner. We liked the pastor. And it was Ogletown Baptist, uh, Southern, um, Southern Baptist. Uh, they belong to Southern Baptist Convention. And so we would go there, and we loved the pastor. But then we'd go to the Bible study, and they're going through the Bible. And oh, man, it was glorious. I would sit there, and I'd get them. I can't wait to read this Bible. And I felt like my feet was getting the dust, walking where Jesus walked. And it was glorious. I was, so in, I was eating it up. And then, you know, they came out with those books about the, um, about the end times with you know um what are they called yes yeah what did what's that book called yes and you know and all these yeah and I kept reading all these things and you know and I just couldn't you know I couldn't get enough of what I didn't have but my heart was burning for it Elisha was burning for the things of God I could understand why he was burning so much. Because what he's seeing and what he's feeling and what he's sensing and what he sees, the plans that God wants. He is, God has put a burden upon him that the, the plans that God is doing in the nation and that he's using Elijah to do, it will not end. But if God could get more of us, which is what he wanted, that's why he said greater works. It's not just one or two of us. If you get all of us on board, imagine what is going to happen. Y'all are going to push. I was praying in here this morning. I said, these walls are going to have to come down. They're going to have to push back. When we begin to do what God is calling. It's not going to be big enough to hold what God wants. Then I said, they're probably going to go to two services before they get to, you know, to pushing back and pulling down for, because of what God wants. Because the vision is so big. You know, and so, you know, it looks self-fit and seems as though he's asking for twice the power, twice the glory and all. But in truth, his request is humble. Elisha knows that Israel still needs a man of God to deliver the word of God, for the work of God to go forth. He also knows that if he is to be that man, he needs the power of God that he didn't have, that he didn't possess. He needed that anointing. And so he needed that to accomplish the ministry. Elisha wasn't asking for power, wealth, you know, or position, he was asking to be controlled by the Spirit of God. 
That's what you and I need for the spirit of God to come upon us. You know what? In fact, to be dedicated, outspoken man of God during that dynasty of the house of Omri and, and Ahab was to ask for death. It was to ask to stay in constant danger. So when you look at what he was asking for, he wasn't asking for something that was so glorious like we think of it today. We got all kinds of so-called men of God wreaking havoc all over the kingdom of God. And it's, they're only standing because of grace. You know, what he was asking for could cause him his life. It could really cost him that. But he was willing. He was asking for the divine power of God. Because in the midst of this madness, without the power of God, he couldn't do what he needed to do and yet live. And so, another uh, thing that verse 10 speaks of is the condition of his request. Elijah tells Elisha that if he is with him, with him until the end, until he's taken out of this world, then he's going to get which, what he was asking for. So the idea here is that this blessing can be his, but Elisha must, Elisha must remain faithful until the end. Everything that God has for us can be ours, but we must remain faithful until the very end. It's not, a, okay, I'll pick and choose. I'm going to the supermarket and I got a cart. And God, you said you want me to do all these things, but those eggs don't, okay, give me that, some protein. All right. No, that salad don't look too hot. I don't want that. And you know, it's not, we, we don't get to choose what we pick up. But we get to align with God and be a tool in the hands of a mighty God. And the, the joy that it will bring you is a whole lot better than when you pick up what you want if you allow God to give you what you need. It's really powerful what God will do. And so... It would have been easier for Elisha to stay in one of those towns that he passed through every time they keep telling him, oh, you know, he's going to die, stay here. It would have been much easier. And he would have never received the blessing that he desired and desperately needed and that God wanted him to fulfill. Sometimes we stop short and we miss the blessing God has for us. Patience is going to prove fruitful when it comes to the things of God. It proves fruitful. I want you to know that if there was ever a day that we needed people with the heart of Elisha, it's today. It's today. Far too long the church tried to operate in the machinery of the church, of our human wisdom, of our own power. You know, A.W. Tozer said, he commented that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 95% of what the early church did would have ceased. Isn't that amazing? He went on to say that if the spirit were removed today, 95% of what we do in the modern church would continue unabated. That is a sad statement. Very sad. So we as the people of God need to desire to yearn for the things of God. I watched Aiden this morning, got on the floor, and I said, there goes the next Elisha. God, pour out your spirit on him. Light this man of fire. That is going to carry the generational anointing that his family walks in. Set him ablaze and let nothing come to separate him from what God has planned for him. He is the Elisha. He is the firstborn fruit. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He is the difference maker. He's going to do it. The key to the double portion of anything is to be found in the presence of the living God. And so to you... 
you know, I'll call you my family because we are family. My giving light family, we need to seek the Lord for spiritual power in these days. We don't need to get concerned about numbers. Don't worry about that. Because God is able to move in a lot, in a few. He's able to move the same way as if he had a whole bunch, as if he had one or two. He's able to move. And so we don't need to be concerned about becoming seeker friendly and just tickling their ears for them to come. Because if not, we're going to have a machinery of our own wisdom. But we want the power of God. We don't need to be caught up in the debates that, that are engaging hearts and minds of the church folks. We need to carry the command of Ephesians 5.18. We need to be filled with the spirit of God. We need to get before the Lord and request an influx of his power for the glory that he desires to unleash in these days. If we're to get the job done, we need to have the power of Jesus Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit moving. And so this kind of blessing and power, it doesn't come from being uncommitted. It is reserved for those who will pay the price in prayer, in holy decisions before God, holiness before him. Our decisions doesn't come because that's going to make somebody feel good. The decisions we make must be sifted through the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God. Amen? And so, and so the future demands that God's servants be filled with the spirit of God. And we need that same spirit of faith and obedience and courage that rested on Elijah that was passed to Elisha in a double portion. And you know what? When did we see the triple portion come? When did we see that? We need to pick up this mantle and send for the triple, the quadruple, the multiply. Keep it going. Keep it flowing. Enlarging it. Take over. When you look at people not having respect for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Oh, it frustrates me all over the world and all over the nation. They have disregard for it. We are the ones called to pick it up. And when they begin, they have to be filled with jealousy of what God is doing in our lives. To begin to want what God has put on our lives. We're the ones to carry the glory. We're the ones to carry it. And so, so we have to be willing to pay that price. You know, the future demands that God's servants be filled. It would, it would do us well to remember that all those great men and women of God that we regard and we treat with such reverence, you know, they're gone. They're gone. But what are we doing about continuing that? It's our responsibility. And so we need to get, just really put nothing before God. So Elisha, in verse 1 through 8, it talks about Elisha's. Elisha manifested as a steadfast resolve. And so from, you know, from the time it became apparent that Elisha was leaving until the moment that he actually left, Elisha received the blessing, several trials crossed his way that attempted to hinder him. However, Elisha remained focused on obtaining the double portion. I'm going to go through some things that he did. In verse 3 through 5, opposition didn't shake his resolve. Opposition, at every turn, the sons of the prophets asked Elisha the same question. Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy hand, from thy head today? The question is literally this. Why are you still following this old man? You know, he's done. God's done with him. The Lord is through with him and he's calling him to heaven today. You'd be better off staying with us. Strike out on your own, man. Start your own ministry. Why are you running after his ministry? You're still following a man that God is done with? 
People will attack you. They'll try to talk you out of your resolve to follow what God has called you to follow. You will find many people willing to tell you it's over. It's done. It's time for you to move out. You know, you got everything you could get here. Your season is over. I love that when people come saying, you know, my season here is over. You know what? Go. When he beats you up, good, come back. You know? <laughs> I'll be here with an open arm. You know, if you want to be so disobedient, go reap the harvest of disobedience. When you're done, come back. We'll receive you with open arms. We'll start up again. But, you, you know, you'll only be delaying your own destiny. But go ahead. Now, there are ones that God is going to be releasing to go to different things. Yeah. But if he didn't tell them, and he only told you, my bet is on them. You know, there are people that's what they're moving in is pride. And not the perfect will of God. Nevertheless, your will. You think Jesus wanted to go to that cross? Don't, you know, I keep saying, Lord, don't let me let you go to that cross in vain. Let me do what you've called me to do. Don't let me run after my own self. You know, verse 1 through 6. Speaks of the opportunities that they couldn't shake that resolve. Every time they pass through a city, he keeps saying that. You know? He keeps hearing. People attempted to get Elisha to stay. This wasn't an effort, you know, on, on his part to hinder Elisha's progress. Elijah himself keeps saying, you know, you could stay here. Every time they passed through, Elijah would say to Elisha, you could stay here. He wasn't trying to hinder Elisha's progress. It was designed to test Elisha's resolve. There's going to be times that the test is going to come. And you're going to think they don't love me like they used to. You know, they're just trying to over, you know, put undue burden on me. They're just trying to pressure me. They're not, they're not seeing me. I'm not feeling them anymore. You're being tested. Not for them, but for your resolve. You're being tested. Just like Elisha was. And so, of course, each of the places mentioned held a special place in the heart of the Jews and would have made a pleasant stopping place, you know. These, these were opportunities for Elisha to stop and to settle down. Along your path to your double portion of blessing will be many opportunities to abort the plan of God for your life. You know, you got to fight through and press through to the presence of God as such as one that, that has a birthright to it, and you're not willing to give up your birthright. Obstacles are going to come. Don't let them overcome you or you'll never get the double portion. You'll get some. You know? So I want to share with you what some of these places mean along the path that if Elisha, if Elisha had stopped at any one of these places, this is what he would get. A portion of what God had for him. So the first place was Gilgal. It's the place of beginnings. It was here that the Israelites first celebrated Passover in the promised land. Here, the males were born during the wilderness wanderings, and they were circumcised, and the covenant was renewed. And you'll find that in, 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 in Joshua chapter 5. And the covenant was renewed. And so this is the place where they, it's just the new beginnings. And then the second place that they asked him to stop again was Bethel. And this is the place of dreams. And a lot of us have stopped in here for too long. You know, we have these dreams. It was here that Jacob met God and dreamed of angels descending and ascending out of heaven in Genesis 28. And where you get filled up with what God wants to do with you. And you get prophetic word after prophetic word and dream after dream. But you stay there just dreaming about fulfilling the dreams. And that's what would have happened had he stopped there. 
How many of us are still there dreaming about the dreams that God has given us? But we're not actually fulfilling it. And the next place he went to was Jericho. And this is the place of past victories. And so it was here that Israel had its first military victory in the promised land in Joshua 6. Jericho was also a border town. And so to pass beyond this location was to enter wild new territory. And so some people don't want to go for any more because how many you know when you're going to go higher, when you're going to the next level, you're going to meet a bigger devil? And so a lot of us don't want to go meet the bigger devil and meet the obstacles that's going to come and what we're going to fight. So we choose to stay in this place of past victories and talked about all that God did in the past and how mightily he used us. And then we sit there until we die. And then the next place was Jordan. And this was the place of death. And that river represented the boundary for the promised land. To cross it meant to enter into death. It was a, formid it, it was a formidable barrier that few would ever want to cross. And so we too find ourselves in these same places as we walk with the Lord. You know, we want to spend our whole Christian life at Gilgal. You know, they never grow and they never leave the place of beginnings. Here is where I found Christ and I'm going to keep singing. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of the world rolled away. And we just sit there singing happily, happily singing and singing. And we're not moving anywhere, we're singing. And then we say, oh, it's so wonderful when I come to church on Sunday. Because, you know, I go out all week and oh, the devil, he's always after me. And so much is happening. But this is such a place of refuge. And I come in and I sit here, forget it. This is a place of equipping. It's a place of pumping you and filling you up with the power of God and renewing and strengthening you to go out there and fight the giants and defeat them, not just fight them. Because you have to go knowing you already win. The battle is fixed. That fight is fixed. The battle is won. You know? The devil is a liar. We're not sitting here doing that. And they never grow. They just sit right there. But some go as far as Bethel. They catch the vision of God's great work, which has to be done. And they see the needs and they feel the tug of God. And they never get past the place of dreaming what they might be able to do. Instead of actually doing it. Just what we might be able to do. You know? And so they never take the next step of making their dreams a reality. But others hold on to Jericho because they live in the victories of yesterday and they remember, oh, this is what happened then. And, you know, and it was so good. And we keep talking about that. And then some come to Jordan. And when we get there, this is the barrier between self-life and spirit life. That's the barrier that we meet with. And few ever take that final step of faith and sell out to go all the way with God like Elisha did. Notice that all the prophets... Only Elisha had enough faith to cross the river. Every, you know, he met 50 of them. Where were they? Where were the 50 he met? Why didn't one of them cross? Only him had the faith to cross over. You know, sometimes you look crazy, but it's good to look crazy for God. <laughs> it really is good to look crazy for God. You know? Because if you're not crazy, you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Because it takes crazy faith to walk with God. You know, and he'll disturb you at times. You know, I remember one time when I was doing a business, and I'm, I'm there, and 
I went to this, because um, I'm always looking for opportunities to tell people about God. So I'm doing this, I mean, I got, a, you know, I have about eight people in there and I'm sharing with them and talking about the business. And this girl that's hosting it, she's walking around talking about her, her, um, her ulcer, my ulcer, my ulcer, and it's aggravating me. Oh, my ulcer is doing this, my ulcer is, and I'm, it's, so finally I just got fed up and I'm in the middle of the presentation and I stop and I say, you keep calling it your ulcer, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Ulcer is, is supposed to do that. But if you don't want that ulcer, then let me pray with you after this. Let me sit with you and we'll just get rid of that ulcer. Anybody that want to stay, we're going to get rid of her ulcer today because God is able. Well, I never seen a place clear out like that. I mean, it was like the house was on fire. Then people ran out of there. It was me and her and one more that stayed. I think she just stayed to see what was going to happen. You know? So I sat with her and I said, do you read the Bible? I have one somewhere. So, okay, that's enough. I know then she don't know nothing. You know, it's those coffee table Bibles probably or those bookshelf Bibles to say, if the Bible's in the house, God is in the house. That's it. You know? And so I began to share the scriptures, the healing scriptures, the plan of God. And, you know, I started telling her, you know, from Exodus 15, he says, I am the God that healeth thee. So period, full stop, finish, however you want to call it. He is the God that healeth thee. No other God heals like Jesus. And so I began to, you know, share with her, you know, Mark 16 and, and James and you lay hands and then Luke 137, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So this ulcer is nothing. And then I just said, can I touch you? And she said, yes. And so where's the ulcer? And so I laid my hands and I began to pray and tell that ulcer to go now you don't belong there and she just says mm. I said what's the matter she said look all the hair it's just standing up I don't know what's happening but I'm shivering and, and it's it's and this is a summer night you know and so I said okay well God is working don't worry about that let's just pray and we just prayed and everything and sealed it up and I just said you're not going to have anything more and I left and went home and I didn't think anything so a week later you know she, she called and she came by the house and she says I want to tell you that I ate everything the whole week that I cannot eat. I ate spaghetti. I had all the lemon. I ate everything I, was, I could not eat. And I never had a pain. And she said, my husband was in the bedroom. And he said to me, I don't know why you didn't call me because I keep getting migraines. Well, she said, I know you wouldn't want to come. So she said, I keep getting my, so about a, you know, a year had passed and I remembered her. And I said, let me call her up and see how she's doing. And I called and she wasn't there and her husband was home. And I said, oh, I was just checking to see how she's doing. And I'm the lady that we prayed for the Aussie. She says, oh, you were that woman. You know, she's never had any more problems. But you know, our God is able. You know, and so that happens countless times all the time. You know, I'm in Macy's just the other day and I'm walking and this lady has her two grandchildren. She's going on like this and I was in a hurry, but the Lord just had me look over and I see them and she's just going on. I said, what's the matter with you? And she said, oh, I got pain. I got pain. And I said, oh, no, you don't have pain. Come here. Do can I pray for you? She said, okay. So I just, where's the pain? So I laid hands and begin to pray. She said, my daughter has gone to pull the car up because we have to go. And I begin to pray and she said, hmm, hmm. And her and her granddaughters are walking. Thank you. Thank and she's walking out, you know, God is a, listen, we have to go where we look foolish. How do you walk up to a stranger and tell them, let me just pray for you? If God says it, you do it. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. And they look at you crazy. But here I am, and my husband is having surgery uh, the first part of this month. And so I'm in the waiting room, and I'm just praying him through the surgery. And I'm praying, you know, and then I said, Hmm, I feel like the surgery is finished, but nobody's calling me. So I got up, you know, you can look on the board, and it says he's in recovery. I said, okay, thank you, Jesus. So I'm sitting there, and this man came in with his, his I found out later, it's his nephew. And this man wants to yap, and I want to pray. 
And he's just yapping, yapping with everyone. So he sat there, and his nephew sat across from me. And then I just opened up my eyes, and I, I looked at the nephew and said, oh, okay. So then I said, all right, he's in recovery. He's fine. So I looked at him, and I said, how are you? What's your name? And so he says, mumbling his name. I said, well, you know, I just want to speak to you because I have the word of the Lord for you. And the lady, a lady was sitting between us, and he, he just said, so I just began to speak to him and tell him about where the Lord said he's been and, and the deep grief that is driving him further from the Lord. But that was not of God. But God will use that grief that you're going through, you know, to pull you into the destiny. I said, you're one that uses your hands. And I just see you using your hands for the way you're working. But God is going to increase you and he's going to enlarge you. But he wants to give you your own business because what you're doing is not enough for where he wants to take you. You know, just begin to share what the Lord wants. And I said, God wants you to go to trade school and, you know, begin to learn a trade because you have to own your own business for what God wants to do with you. So I'm telling him all of this. And he's like, and his uncle is like, listen to her, man. She don't know you from Adam. Listen to her, man. And, you know, he's keep going. Listen to her. Listen to her, man. Sit up and listen to her. She don't know you. That's God talking. So I began to tell him all the things that God wants. And turned out then he says, his cousin. No, his big brother, not his cousin, his brother. He said, that's who I looked up to. And he got shot three weeks ago, and he's dead. But before that, I, was, I didn't want everybody to know what I was seeing. So he knew. I said, you're not going to wear those clothes that you wore before. You're going to shake them off before I told him what God wants to do with you. I said, because God was showing me that he was in prison and stuff, but we're in a waiting room. So I'm not going to say, you know, you were in prison, but God ain't going to put you back in prison. It's not to embarrass him. So I said, the clothes that you were made to wear before, you're not going to wear that ever. He knew what I meant. You're not ever going to wear those again. That will not see you again. Because from this day, purpose is calling you. And you're going to have to answer. And as I talked to him, what I found out is he looked up to this big brother. He said, I have nobody to follow now. It's worthless. And I said, that's why. You can't worship someone that's an idol. You have your own destiny. You have your own purpose. And so I began to talk to him. And then his uncle called me last week and said, I don't know about him, but I want to stay in touch with you. Because, you know, I, we exchange numbers. I, but I'm going to call him because I, I know what I see in him. And so I talked to him and I talked to his mother. He says, you know, these different prophets, they talk to you and they try to get you to the church and then that's the end of it. I said, oh, you don't have to come. But God's calling you and I don't care where you run. This earth ain't big enough for you to run. So you will have to answer. So I'll call him again this week. And his uncle says, I want to stay in touch. But listen, we are all called as believers to go. To go into all the earth and share. This is Elijah's anointing. What was yours? What is yours? Do you, who do you invite to church with you? Who do you invite to any, any of the functions that's going? Who do you bring? Who, do you, who are you seeing every day at work in the marketplace? Who are you seeing that you're not sharing the love of God, the, the word of God with what they need? Who are we missing? We got to start to awaken to what we're supposed to be, to be doing. You know, and so, you know, there are always going to be barriers. Elijah was not trying to hinder Elisha. You know, Elisha had enough faith to cross over. And so when the mantle of God is upon you, everything moves out of your way to allow access. Going, Elijah struck the Jordan with his mantle and it opened. On the way back, Elijah struck the Jordan with, his man, with Elijah's mantle and the Jordans opened up. You know, it will open. When you strike your Jordans in your life, God is going to open up the doors that need to be opened up for you. But you got to be willing to go the distance. 
You got to be willing to strike the Jordans, strike the obstacles so that those doors can open up. You know, I, I hate to think of how many of us stop along all those paths and we miss when we get to heaven and we see all that was laid up that we didn't access. And so God is releasing mantles upon you today. And with it, you're going to strike those Jordans and you're going to see effectual doors. And it's going to be a suddenly that's going to come upon you. Every place that represented death to you is going to break. Whatever is hindering your promotion at work, it's going to break in Jesus' name. We've had a streak of promotions because we kept, you know, one day that, um, I can't remember who came up. I think it was, was Pastor Morris. You know, because um, in our church. And so, you know, we're ministering. And he came up with the prophetic word that said the Lord want to um, enlarge people and, you know, bring more income into families and that we should sow into that. Well, you know, when it's the word of the Lord, we all know when it is. You can feel it when it is and when it isn't. And people were plummeting up to sow into it. And what? And there's no matter. Just what God says, sow into you, put your name on it. You know? And so... And we did that. And then, amazingly, I think, who came, I can't remember who came with the first one. Jeez. But anyway, here's what happened. His wife is a midwife. And she wanted another position for so long that she'd applied for before, never got called for an interview. But she noticed that this position at this hospital that she wanted to go to was opened up again. And so she put in... She filled it in and put it in. Not a, and then she called me and she told me, I said, okay, we'll come in agreement. We begin to pray. And never expecting, you know, half expecting them to call, but never, because what it needed, she didn't have. The years of experience, she didn't have that it needed. And there were other people that applied with much more experience than her. One of those people she knows that mentored her applied. Guess who got the call? She, they call her and they said, we want to bring you in for an interview. They brought her and wanted to offer a second interview right there. So you have to go online. I don't know how to do it these days. But fill in the spot that you want to be interviewed. And she took the last spot because she said, let them see everybody else and then see me last. She took the last spot. And she went in, got in her car, and 15 minutes into her hour drive back home, she was called and offered the position. Much, a big increase, much bigger than the salary she was having. God opened that door. And there's a whole lot of other things with her um, malpractice and all that that God just opened up for her because she was supposed to pay like 20 grand of the malpractice and God just wiped that down. The next thing she kept saying, I want to get rid of my student loans and she kept believing God. And the hospital had this program um, that she was at, had this program of, of, you know, like getting it down. And she had one that was 80,000. She said, this is, a, and they wanted her to give her 1,500 a month on that one alone. She said, I can give you about 800 to 1,000, but I just cannot do, I have a child, I can't, you know, we have my husband and I, we're just, I can't do 1500 They said, you can pay your mortgage, you can pay this. She said, no, and this was, a, and this one was one of the private loans. So she said, no, I can't. They said, you pay 1500 or pay nothing. So she said for about four months, she just paid nothing because they told her, pay 1500 or pay nothing. And she's believing God for this. And she paid nothing, but she was willing to go the distance. When they called, uh, when she saw that, she called downstairs and she said, I see where you have student loan forgiveness. And they said, come on down, I got a slot open right now. So she went down and the guy pulled it up on a computer and he said, okay, what, are you, what do you want to talk about your student loans? They're not that bad. She said, the 80,000 one. He said, I don't see an 80,000. Well, first of all, before that, he said, she started telling which loan it was. And he said, private loans, well, that's not for private. What this program is offering is for the federal loans. And she said, no, this one is private. She said, but look it up anyway. And he pulled it up. And he said, I don't see an 80,000. I only see a 20,000. 
And she goes, huh? No. So he's saying, look, and then he's telling her now, you need to call them and tell them they made a mistake because they've got you in this computer with only 20 and her paperwork is showing she owed 80. God wiped out 60,000. She left the wing calling nobody when God bless you. Look, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You want to wipe it out? Wipe it out. You know? And so it was wiped out. And, and so the testimonies, they're rolling in even right now. They've been rolling in now for like four or five months at least. And, and so, you know, then um, it was Claus. Anyway, he got, he, got, um, he got offered a promotion with a 25% increase for a job that he didn't have the educational background nor the, the um, years of experience to do. He got it. I mean, these things keep coming. Why do they keep coming? We believe in God by faith. We're moving by faith, believing God. Amen. So I want to charge you today. You got to you, you got to you got to shake off the resolve and just keep pushing because God is able to do it. Don't let the barriers stand in your way. Elijah didn't want to miss anything. You know, our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we need. Obstacles didn't shake his resolve. No matter what came. Julie's got a big one. You got you just got yours. You start when do you start? 27th. And, uh, you know, I, this, this job actually was, cre it was created for you because the job didn't exist. And somebody called her that she knew in the field to ask her about how these things are supposed, you know. And so she, she did it and voila, they created this job with a major increase. So I, I you know, I'm going to pray over you now because I feel like God wants to bring increase. I'm going to cut this right here. Because I believe you got enough that you got. We could go on a little bit more about it. But let me cut it right here. And I want to pray increase over you. Where y'all think you're going? No. <laughs> Never mind. Well, you could thank Julie for Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yes. Because Julie is in commercial real estate. And, um, and Katie helped her take pictures of the land so she could send it in. And, you know, but God is able. So now Julie has got a job that was created for her that you are pretty much naming your salary kind of there and big increase. And I mean, there's so many more. Even right now, Nani's in the same position. She not, so many. There are so many that keep coming with that. But what I'm telling you is God has your place of crossing your Jordan. And if you're not willing to stop, you're going to get it. Now, I thank you, Father. Who in here has a business? Who in here? Just run up here. If you have a business, run up here. I just feel, oh, God, oh, who tricked me to go here? <laughs> I just feel like there's an anointing in this place for businesses. So those with a business, come on this side. Those that desire a business or God has given you some kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, you got a sensing or you desire or you've got a plan but it's not fulfilled and you come right here. Come on this side if you feel that way. Those that desire, just come right here because we have to birth that, okay? Those that we need to birth the business, come. Those that already have the business, come this way, okay? And so, Father, we thank you right now, God, for what you're doing, Lord. I thank you for the expansion right now. I thank you for the enlargement right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're calling forth more contracts, more contracts. In the name of Jesus, God, let your contracts roll out now for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, so can we go shout.